fellowship and for all that attend, Father. I pray that you would continue to add to our numbers to those that are being saved, God. I pray that your word would go forth, Father. It would never be compromised, God. And I thank you for the opportunity that we had to come today. Just another day, Father. It's a beautiful day outside um, to, to serve you, to worship you, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. So I pray as your word goes forth today that our hearts would be um, good soil that we would hear and that we would respond and we would be obedient. Um, Holy Spirit, as you um, minister to us today and show us, Father, the things that you would have for us. So uh, as we come together, God, we also lift up the persecuted church and those that are worshiping in your name today, Father, under threat of persecution. So we pray, Father, that you would strengthen them and embolden them in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Yeah.
sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, aunque no pueda ver, estás sobrando, aunque no pueda ver, estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, aunque no pueda Shepherd boy, hey, without a shield, without a soul, hey, fed up with the giant's boy, hey, screaming curses to the Lord, now I'm up down the hill alone, with a pocket full of river stones, but what the Philistine couldn't see, is what I had was more than me, see on my own I'm weak, but my
protected by the name that was given to you, the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for all who that are in Christ, Father, can call upon the name of Jesus. And that, Father, you are faithful to complete that which you've begun in us. And For those who aren't in Christ, God, I'm thankful, God, that they too can call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Jesus. The only name. Father, the hope that we have in you, Lord, would never disappoint us. You are a great God. You are a good God. Father, your love endures forever. So Lord, I pray, God, as we open your word today, God, that yet again we would be encouraged, Father, to draw close to you. Your word says that, Father, if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. Father, your word calls us to seek you and and to seek you with our whole heart. And as we do, God, we shall find you. So, Father, whatever our week may have been or whatever our morning may have been, Father, 
I pray, God, that we would put aside the distractions, Lord, and that you would give us a hunger, a greater hunger and a thirst for righteousness, Lord Jesus, to know you and to be known by you, Lord. And so, Father, we come, Father, not in and of ourselves, seeking, Father, for ourselves, but no, God, I pray that we've come to seek you. So have your way among us and in us and through us, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, teach us as we open up your word. May we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers. That ultimately, God, that we would live lives for the glory of our King. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Community. Two definitions I've been holding up for us. A group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. The second one, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result in sharing a common attitudes, interests, and goals. The Christian community is what we've been holding up over this past year. And my hopes has been and my prayers have been is that you all will have a, a greater hunger for community, to, to be among the church. Jesus is the center of our community. As we know, there's so many other different communities out there in the earth, but it's the Christian community that ultimately has the truth. Jesus says of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. This is Jesus' words. He also tells those who would follow him to consider the cost, because it's going to cost you everything. Because this world is not your home. If you choose to follow Christ, the call of a disciple is to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow him. You see, Jesus understands our weakness. He understands the nature in which we were born into. A complete rebellion to the throne of God. And yet God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever... Whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And as I've been encouraging us over the past few weeks, the Bible, the living word of God, reveals Christ to us. The nature of God. From Genesis to Revelation, God's plan, God's purpose is that he will have a people that he will call his own, and in return, they will call him their God. They would live for him. They would love him. They would honor him. They would know him and be known by him. God's plan, God's purpose, all fulfilled through Christ. And I keep encouraging us over the past year. You can't learn theology. You can't learn about God from the enemy. Though he likes to teach. You can't learn about God through the world system. And you surely can't learn about God out of your own flesh. The problem with us is that we like to create God in our image. We want a God that serves us. We want a God that does for us. We want a God that has no 
issues with us. We want to put him on a shelf and take him out when it's convenient for us. We want him to be there for us when we need him. And it's, we make it all about us. See, the flesh doesn't mind you having religion. It likes religion. In fact, everybody, man, woman, boy, and girl, that all of us, we were born into this sin nature, but yet there's something within us that desires to worship something greater than us. And so instead of turning to the true God, we create these false gods in our image. And those are the wrong gods. <laughs> they would never fulfill us. They would never complete us. The world will always try to introduce a God to us. And our flesh and our appetites, we like what the world presents to us to worship. But again, that is not going to fulfill us. It would never give us a wholeness or a peace. The enemy will love nothing more than to come in as an angel of light and distort the truth of God's word to keep you from God. He stepped into the garden and he challenged Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say? And it's his same tactics in every generation, making you question God and then not just question God, giving you the hope to become a God. And so we have to understand we cannot learn of God through that realm, through the world system, and from ourselves. No, God has given us the living word of God to know Him, to seek Him. There's nothing that He's withholding from us. It is all captured in the Bible. Everything you need to know about God. Do you hunger? Do you have a hunger and a thirst for truth? It's nothing that you can conjure up yourself. No, God begins this work in us. God begins us. Begins. I've always told you, you're not going to wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'll learn of Jesus. Your flesh will never do that. If you woke up today, or if you've woken up any day, and you, and you even look towards Jesus, that alone testifies to you that there is a God, and that He is pleased to reveal Himself to you through his son Jesus, to draw you to himself, to reconcile you back to your creator. And it's when you are reconciled back to God, your creator, through Jesus, you are whole. Jesus says, peace I leave you. Peace I give you. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's how your mind can be renewed. The Bible says, how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. So instead of me wrestling with God and fighting against him through Christ, I can celebrate the freedom that I have in him, the wholeness that I have in him, so that I may live and live a life 
of abundance. A life of, of victory, of not of my own, but in Christ. That I don't have to remain the wounded, broken, rebellious creature. That I am now engrafted into Christ. And if I'm in Christ, then I'm engrafted into his community, his, his body, his family. I've been adopted. And that's why the Christian community is different than any other community on the face of this earth. And that's why we should celebrate when we come together. That's why we have a purpose and a plan. Because of God, what He has established. And we're to take upon His characteristics. We're to have His attitude. We're to have His interests. And we're to have His goals. This is the Christian community. That we're living out the newness of life that we didn't begin in us but that God began in us to accomplish His plan and His purpose in our generation. You see, you weren't a mistake. You were purposed by God. Each one of us fashioned and formed. He numbered the hairs on our heads. He, the Bible says, had prepared good works for us to do. Have you thought about that this week? Have you given thought that God purposed you and planned you for today? Not for yesterday, not for a hundred years from now, but for today. You are purposed for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are purposed for God Almighty, the one who spoke and the earth was formed. It's not about you. It's all about Him. And so when you see him for who he is, you humble yourself. I keep telling you, Isaiah, the vision Isaiah had of the throne room of God. Here's the man of God. Here's the prophet of God in his generation. He had this vision and he humbled himself because he realized in the presence of God, this holy God, I'm doomed. I'm, I'm a sinner. Oh, God. And that word doomed. It's a heavy word. Isaiah knew, I'm in error. God is not in error. I'm the one with the problem. And God in His mercy and His grace and His love sent forth the servant to touch the lips of Isaiah, to cleanse him. And I love that word, cleansed, whole. Who shall we send? And then Isaiah stood up and he saw himself no longer doomed, but forgiven. And so he was able to respond, here I am, Lord, send me. You see, as Christians, that's how we have to see ourselves doomed. Even if you're not a Christian, if you're looking towards Christ, that's how you see yourself. I'm doomed. Apart from Christ, I'm doomed. I'm a sinner. There's nothing good in me. I am in complete rebellion towards God. I will create idols to worship. And I will keep refusing to worship the living God. 
But when you see yourself doomed and you humble yourself, through Christ you can receive forgiveness because of the blood that was shed, because of the body that was ripped apart for the price that he paid that you deserved. And from the resurrection three days later, if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, if you believe that He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that He rose again on a third day, you are cleansed, forgiven. He doesn't even remember it anymore, the Bible says. And then you too, as Isaiah, could get up and say, here I am, Lord, not of any of my, anything that I have done or anything of myself, but all because of Christ, send me. Let me go forth and tell others about the goodness of God and the kingdom of God and the hope that is in Christ Jesus. You see, that's the Christian community. He is the center. We are the body. We're here to do his purpose. Again, the, when he prayed, he didn't ask God to take us out of the world. You, you don't repent and then poof, you're transitioned into heaven right away. No, no, you're kept here. To go forth and to be his ambassadors, to be his light, to fulfill and to do the good works he purposed you to do in this generation. To announce the good news of the gospel of Jesus to those who are wandering around in darkness. We once were, if you're in Christ, you once were there. And that's why we're compelled to go to share with others the freedom that is found in Christ. Oh, how I pray that you have a greater depth and a desire for community. And again, if you don't have it, then ask for it. You have not because you've asked not. Like, Lord, I, I don't have a desire. I don't have a hunger. There's something lacking. I know that's what your word calls for. I can't conjure it up myself. So Holy Spirit, help me. Give me that desire. Give me that hunger. Remove all the distractions Everything that I set before you and before community, Father, just move it out of the way. Help me realize the importance of the body of Christ fully functioning together to accomplish your purpose. Because that's the point of community. That's the point of the church. She's to be about her bridegroom's position of, of preparing for him and to be about her father's business, to do the will of the father. Oh, he's coming back, you all, and he's going to gather those who belong to him. And for eternity, we will be with our God. For eternity, you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in, enter in. Those who are engrafted into the kingdom of God, you have been adopted You've been given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. Like you have full access to the throne room of God. 
And so I keep encouraging y'all, don't settle for the temporalness of this earth. Don't give up your birthright just to fit in among the pagans. Don't give up your birthright to fulfill a desire within you that's only going to last for a brief moment. See, don't live your life if you're a Christian. Don't live your life based on temporalness that's all fading away. When you were created for eternity, Jesus, you all, Jesus, this is whom you were created for. And you are in Christ. The Bible says, what's the position of a believer? In Christ. You're seated in Christ. And so you're not praying and you're not living out of a place of defeat, of despair. No, no, you're living and you're learning as you're engaging with the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher, he's your comforter, he's your guide to teach you all things about Christ. And so when you pray now, you're, you're again, you're, you're not conjuring up anything, you're just praying and you're praying with the understanding that it's all finished. Like Jesus has accomplished it. And so you don't have to labor within your own strength. But oh, how you need to labor in the spirit. Say, not my will, God, but your will be done. Teach me your ways that I may know you, that I may love you, that I may serve you. Help me to love others as you love them. You know, Jesus in the Bible, and I love this, Jesus says, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I want you to think about that for a second. A lot of people have the wrong image of God because the enemy has perverted it, the world system has tarnished it, and the flesh does not receive it. But Jesus says, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And most of the time when you talk to people, or even yourself, if I went around the room and I said, who's God? What's his characteristic? What is he like? How would you respond? You know, a lot of people who haven't been around church, I know myself before I came to Christ, I had this wrong picture of who God is. And I've been thinking a lot about it. And even now as we're engaging in our Friday night series of the series called Behold Your God. Listen, and there was last week, there was a section where it lists all these different <coughs> misconceptions that people have about God. And I had all of them before. I had the wrong image of who he was. But when God reveals himself to you, when you see him for who he is and you just go, wow. And the way that you can truly see the Father is through Christ. A lot of us have the image that God is this angry God and he's ready to zap you because you did wrong. Or he's a, he's a God who has a complex or issues and he's just angry 
And, and we get this weird concept about him. He demands too much. So I'll create a God who doesn't demand much. And so we have all these weird things that we think about him. And yet Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And have you ever really done done a study? Have you ever gone through the Gospels and sat down and read the words of Jesus? Do you understand who Jesus is? A lot of people will say, oh, he, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He may be even a good prophet. He did okay. He was compassionate. He was full of love. He served. He gave. You know, even unbelievers may engage with that with you about Jesus. But Jesus' word says, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's loving. He serves. He cares. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. You see, it's an all-out war, you all, to keep you in bondage and enslaved to your soul, to your created being that's in complete rebellion towards an eternal, loving God. And when you begin to see, like, I've been lied to my whole life about him. Like, and I've told you all. And you you have your own thoughts of God and how people created him for you. But since I was a little kid, I was told how much God hated me. And God this and God that. And yes, God is a God of wrath. But he's also a God of love. He's a God of love, but yet also he's a God of wrath. And if I understood that from the beginning, instead of having a warped misconception, maybe I wouldn't have gone through all that I went through. Who knows? But praise be to God, in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our wounds and our hurts, like God is pleased to reveal himself to you. Here I am. It's so funny. I don't know about you, but it's so funny when I'm counseling people and that light goes off and they're like, wow, he's been with me my whole life. Like I remember as a kid, there was this incident that, you know, and they begin to tell you like, and they're like, that was God. And it's fascinating. You can look through your life and you can see him there. But then you have to ask yourself, why have you kept running from him? Why do you keep going back to the filth and feast off of that? And he's standing over here going, but I'm here. Like I got all this for you. Why are you settling for that? You see, Jesus reveals who the Father is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is the right image of God. And so you have to deal with this inside the very 
essence of who you are. How are you responding to God? Because in the end, when you stand before God, he's not the one who has rejected you. You rejected him. So he's not a bad God. You know, people always say, well, how can a loving God send people to hell? No, no. A loving God doesn't send you to hell. He's made a way out for you through his son. You choose to go to hell. It was never created for you. But your rebellion, you dismissing him, you, you turning and going back to what you want and how you want and this and this and this and that, that's all you. You cannot blame God. And that's what I keep trying to encourage is there's no error found in God. I remember going through this process as an early Christian of going, well, everything I knew about you is wrong. Like, wow, you love me? Like, God, you desire me? You desire to have fellowship with me? You desire to, to, to mature me and to grow me so that I may accomplish your will in this generation? Like, you're for me and not against me? Like, I don't know how you encourage yourself weekly, daily, in your relationship with God. Oh, but I pray that you are. Because, you see, it's his desire that none shall perish. Again, each of us are going to take our last breath at some point. And we're going to have to stand before the living God. The living God. And give an account for how we lived. And so you have to just really, and that's why Jesus says, you know, like, have you considered your soul? <laughs> Do you understand the value of your soul? Or are you just living out of the temporalness, giving in, giving in this, 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 and so infatuated with all of this around here, and it's fading away. <laughs> it's fading away. But if you give away your life, and you accept this newness found through Christ, oh, what you gain is valuable. Because you're not just going to tarnish your soul every day. Ah, listen. You're not going to give your peace away so quickly. You're not going to give up your inheritance for a bowl of beans. You're not just going to look at the temporalness of life and say, that satisfies me more. Oh, no. You go, mm, no, there's something and there's someone that's bigger than all of this. And God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. God, thank you that you've revealed this to me so that I may live. Remember, it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. And life in abundance. Go to 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Scriptures that I hope will encourage you to persevere in community. We weren't called to do this alone. <clears throat> we were called to do this together. Jesus understood the importance of the church and the community. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 25 through 27. Again, scriptures we've heard, 
throughout the year. I just keep putting them before us because, again, I just don't want you to be a hearer. I want you to be a doer. So as you hear these scriptures, how are you living them? How are they impacting your life with the decisions that you're making when it comes to community? It says, this makes for harmony among the members. Listen to this, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And I love this, verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Each of you. And you've heard me, if you've been around me over these years, you've heard me. I know sometimes I sound like a broken record. But repetition is good. Like each of you, if you're a Christian, you are part of the body of Christ. Each of us have a part in this. Each of us are gifted. The Bible says the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts among us. And we are to be a healthy member of the body of Christ. So that we're fully functioning. Fully functioning. You know, I know we like to have church designed around our needs. But that's not how it's supposed to be. Churches are exhausting themselves trying to keep up with programs to keep everyone entertained. But that's not how the church is supposed to run. We are to be a family. We are to be fully functioning, caring for each other, coming together collectively for the purpose of worshiping our God. Learning of our God, growing in the knowledge of our God, and in doing so, exhibiting the gifts in which we've been given to see the church encouraged, edifying, built up. That's your role. That's what we're called to do. Not just one person, not just a couple of people, but all of us. Do you know your giftings? Do you know specifically how you are gifted to impact the body of Christ? And if you're sitting here today as a Christian, you say, well, no, why not? Because then what are you doing? I've told you before over the years, contact me. Rob, can I come over? Can we do it via Zoom? I want to learn and I want to understand what my part is. I want to contribute. You see, for far too long, people just take and take and take and take and take. But that's not the Christian community. Like each of us have a part. And ultimately, our gifts, when they're used, that's the end result to encourage, to edify, and to build up the church. To build up the church. Again, we are a mixed group of people. The church, not just here, but the church throughout the earth. From every tribe, every, every language, every, every tongue, every, from all walks of life. Old, young, rich, poor. You know, every which way but loose. And yet what we have in common is Jesus. Like in and of ourselves, we probably wouldn't have hung out. In and of ourselves, we even shouldn't be connected. You know? 
but yet he brings us collectively together, a mixed group of people with one purpose and one identity, Christ. And so the people on the outside look in and say, what's going on? And the Bible says that's how they know that we will belong to him, by our love for one another. By our love for one another. They see that these people have something that we don't have. And you can't break them down. They, they're connected to their God, and they're connected to each other. And they have a love for each other that's unlike anything any other community has. And yet, every other community out there, every other person out there, they're longing to belong. That's the greatest need of humanity. I just want to fit in somewhere. I just want to feel like I belong. I mean, you know what gang members go through just to get into a gang? You go, wow. I just go, Jesus. Do you just know what people go through just to fit in with a certain clique or a certain crowd? Do you know what people do just to have a sense? Do you know how many people we just give ourselves away to in hopes that they would just love us? And we give up so freely of the very essence of who we are. And for what? For what? When Jesus, the author of life, says, here I am, come to me, (laughs) come to me, and I'm going to show you how to live. You don't have to wait until heaven, (laughs) like now, like I'm going to show you what it is to live life in abundance. You see, Jesus says, follow me, so he has walked through it all. You can trust your God, if you're a Christian. You can trust the fact that Jesus says, here, I did it, you can do it. And if I'm calling you to it, I'm going to empower you to see you through it. That's why the Bible says he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. If you're lacking living a godly life, don't blame Jesus, blame yourself, because you're feasting off things you ought not to be feasting off of. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. That's why, when G, that's why when the word of God says that he makes a way out of every temptation, oh, because he knows the way out of every temptation. Like you can trust the fact that if he says, follow me, he means it. Follow him. Stay. That's why the Bible says, stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Walk habitually in the spirit so you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Live in harmony with each other. You are part of this. And that to me is beautiful. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 through 11. I don't know how these scriptures speak to you, but oh, how I pray to go this week and sit down with them. (laughs) Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. 
For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And look at this. Use them well. And for what purpose? To serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. And the church says, Amen. I mean, this is how we should be living. This is who we are. It isn't just about a building. It isn't just about programs. It isn't about just shuffling in and then shuffling out. This is a lifestyle. Because when you consider the cost, as we all should, and whatever that cost is, because it's going to cost you everything, all your old appetites, all your old desires, all your old whatever your life was, you're to lay it down. Because you recognize it has just walked me in circles. I have tried all of this and it just, I keep going nowhere. I'm just stuck. And ultimately I recognize that I'm doomed. I'm in rebellion towards you. But you have something greater for me. You see, when you consider the cost, you're not going to settle for it just to become a religion that you've created. I'll take what I like. <laughs> they can be as holy as they want, but I know what God wants. It's okay. I can have this, this. I can do this, this. And we'll make it about us. But in reality, we end up with nothing. We end up with nothing. You know, when I got off that floor in that condo, I knew whom I've given my life to. I knew whom I said I would follow. And there was a season in my walk where it became really religious. I would say, I wouldn't have left my life for this. <laughs> I wouldn't have just walked away from everything for this. I was so confused when I started going to church. Because I would look around going, what is this? What is that? Like, how can this be? Like, hmm, something's off. And so to fit in, I became religious. And I didn't like it. Ah, no, no, it didn't feel right. Because I knew in and of myself, I would not have left my life for this. And there were seasons, years that I went through just asking God, oh God, please, what is this? And I'm glad I went through those years. But man, they were one of some of the hardest years because none of it made sense to me. Because I kept seeing what the church and what people were doing and the, and the excuses they were giving and the limited knowledge that they had of a holy God that they kept excusing the way that was okay for them to go. But you keep running the road. You keep running the race, Rob. 
did my life have to change? And no one else's. You're having an affair. You're you're sleeping around. You you got a filthy mouth. You you know, and you just like what? What what is all this? I mean, I remember before church. In my own little condo, in my own little relationship, I looked at my lover and said, no, we can't do that no more. That's not honoring to God. I can't live that way. I want to learn what it is to value my soul. It's different things. People would come over, like, ah, this doesn't feel right anymore. And that's why he would tell me, and I've told you this before, he would say, I don't know how to fight for you. If it was a man, if it was a woman, I would fight for you. But I don't know how to fight for you against this God in whom is changing you. Like, Rob, you are changing. Like, right before my eyes. See, I, no one had to tell me. I, I wanted to know him. It made no sense. Everyone else thought I was crazy. But I had such a hunger for God. I would walk that beach for hours, just crying out, just loving on Him. Like, how can you love me? We would be driving down the road. I'd say, stop, 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 Rich. I mean, the man probably, he he would have every right to lock me away. Because when I think about just how it all was, I was losing myself, but gaining the value of my soul because of Christ. And I would see the beauty of wildflowers. Stop the car. Stop the car. I would get out and be like, oh, God, look at your creation. I mean, things were taking place. And God was just revealing. And I never worshipped him before. But there I was. And these words would just come out of my mouth. And you say, well, not everyone can have that experience. Well, that's fine. But what everyone does have is an opportunity that God wants to reveal himself to you. And when God reveals himself to you, it shakes you to the core. I didn't want to keep just depending upon this temporal stuff. I mean, I knew the spiritual realm. I was involved in the occult. I understood darkness. But when the reality was that I was serving a lesser power, I said, you have fooled me all these years? (laughs) What kind of craziness is it? All of a sudden, my eyes were just open. Like, what? And sometimes it was too much. I just curled up in a corner for days. And all I could do was say the name of Jesus. Rich would say, just just leave him there. That's what he does. I'm not saying that's what you have to go through, but what I'm saying to you is, has it it shook you to the core? What are you feasting off that you keep going back to the lies and the deception and the manipulation and the lust and the insecurities and all that stuff that makes you you, that you somehow have 
grown comfortable with. Because it's not who you are. It's not what's meant for you. Christ, you all. Christ. And then to be engrafted in him, and then to be engrafted in a community that when you come into the church, we all have the same need. Christ. To learn of him, to know him, to encourage each other. Keep pressing on, keep maturing, keep growing. Not this weird thing that we made it to just come in and just everyone just running amok all around. <laughs> and somehow we say, okay, we, we did our part. I say, God help us. I long for Christian community. I love to be around the, the church. And not just here, because church isn't just this. It's who you are. I just love connecting with believers and encouraging them and being encouraged by them, hearing their testimony, hearing what they're going through, hearing how they're, they're enduring and, 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 and getting to where God has for them. And just, I mean, it's so beautiful. <laughs> but that we would engage in this, you all. Because it takes all of us. It takes all of us. I mean, I've been doing a huge hiring process because I've been so short-staffed in the ministry. <clears throat> and I love, that's the first question I ask the applicant. Share your testimony. How have you, how did you come to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If I went around the room today, what would be your response? You should have a response. If, you, if you're calling yourself a Christian, if you're not, that's fine. You're more than happy to continue to come and learn of God and, and hopefully I pray one day you'll respond. But if you're calling yourself, no, I'm a Christian, well then how? What is your testimony? How did God work in your life to reveal himself to you? See, don't make it about perfection. Make it about Jesus. He's perfection. Don't make it about your perfection. No, it's him. And when you see him, and you'll live. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We need each other. Again, this is how God designed it. Man didn't design it. God designed it. People say, well, you don't need church. Oh, isn't that the lie of the enemy? Have you heard people say that before? Ah, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Okay, well, that's true. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You become a Christian through Christ. But if you're neglecting the church, guess what? You're not a Christian because that's unlike Christ. Christ birthed the church. He saw the need. He understood it's part of his plan. It's part of his purpose to impact a dying, darkened world. Remember, I keep telling you, the world system, those in the world, Generation after generation after generation, they're preparing for a great evil to come onto the stage. But the church, we're preparing for the great feast with our great king. And so we're not disturbed by what's going on in the world. We know actually that the world is to get darker. But we don't quiver. We don't shake. 
We don't retreat. No, we see like we see the the signs and we go, Jesus is coming. Fan the flame, fan the flame, fan, fan the flame. How are you doing, sister? How are you doing, brother? Be encouraged. And daily you should be looking for Christ and divine appointments to sow seed, to water seed, to water it, to cultivate it, and ultimately pray for the Holy Spirit to harvest it. Like we're to be about our Father's business. And so you hear the last one I keep telling you, you can't allow the enemy, you can't allow the world system, and you can't allow your flesh to teach you about the principles of God's kingdom. Because they're always going to lie to you. They're always going to deceive you. But when you understand Christ, when you understand the kingdom of God from the beginning, who I really want to start just doing rapid questions with you all, just to see how you answer. Should I start with you? No. No? Oh, you answer that one. There you go. I answered. (laughs) From the beginning, what did God create? Not just the creation that we see out here, but what did he ultimately create from the beginning? A creation for him to commune with, Adam and Eve. After they turned against him, what was his next step? What did he do? Besides, we know that the Messiah was coming. But what was the next step? He took a nation, what? To himself. And what did they do? They turned against him. (laughs) But his plan wasn't thwarted. The Messiah was coming. The one who would redeem this rebellious creation back to the Father. Then a baby cried in a manger. And people gathered. He grew up and he called people to himself. And there was even a time in the midst of his ministry when he began to really describe who he was and who they were. You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. I am the bread of life. And remember what they said, the people said, Thousands of them. Thousands of them. I'm not just talking about a handful of people. Thousands. What is he saying? This is too hard for us to understand. And they turned away from him. And Jesus stood there and watched them all leave. In an instant. Then he looked at the twelve. Are you going to? Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. What's there to go back to, basically? Have you got to that point in your life? I mean, you have to ask yourself. And then he suffers a criminal's death, put in a grave, resurrected, tells his followers to go wait. And then the Holy Spirit fell on a group of people. The church was birthed. Finally, a people on the earth. (laughs) 
that was called out from among the earth to be the people of God through the power of the Holy Spirit and the calling of God through Jesus Christ. You see, this is God's plan. This is God's purpose. We're not to rebel against it. We're not to be like, ah, well, you don't need, you don't have to go to church. What kind of craziness is that? Well, there's not a good church. They all have issues. And? I mean, come on. Well, I don't like the way they preach. I don't like the way the worship is. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, why are you making it about you? See, it's all about God. You have to find a place where you can be part of. Not everything is going to go your way. But be about the Father's business because you understand the concept of community, of the church. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the others can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can attack and be, I'm sorry, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, last scripture on encouraging you in community. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. All the believers, didn't say some, it didn't say those who showed up. No, no, all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them. All the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals, look at this, with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This radical group of people being called out from among the world and into Christ. Pagan prostitutes, male and female prostitutes, liars, thieves, tax collectors, you know, this, that, adultery, you know, murderers, I mean, all these people, Jews and Gentiles, everyone coming together collectively to worship a holy God. Man, that's beautiful. Go to Matthew, go to Matthew 22. These additional scriptures I'm giving you, not so much for community, but for encouragement. To really know your God. To understand God. Have you ever thought, I mean this week, and that's why I wanted to share with you. I mean I sat down this week and 
I was giving thought to the Ten Commandments. I was giving thought to the greatest commandment. I was, I was just giving thought to about the law and, and how what God designed and and just just the beauty of it. When there seems to be so much confusion against it. I mean, we see the uproar of removing the monuments and taking down the Ten Commandments and and it's just crazy, but it makes sense to a lost world to get rid of a good God and what He's planned and what He's purposed. I can't expect the lost to understand it, but do you as a believer understand the value and the richness of the law? I want you to go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 is where I'm heading through 40. These Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious men, were approaching Jesus to try to trap him. So they say, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And then Jesus replied. And and whenever you see that in the scripture, would you just highlight it, circle it, and say, oh, I need to pay attention because these are Jesus' words. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbors as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I don't know if you ever read that before or if you ever given thought to it, but did you understand what Jesus just said there? The greatest commandments to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength, with your very being, love God. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, everything about it, all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Years ago, when I heard a pastor preach this, I was blown away. I was like, that's amazing. I would have never seen that, but God, I'm thinking that you revealed that to me because now it makes sense. Have you ever noticed that the first five commandments is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, and with all of your strength. The first five. In chapter 20 of Exodus, it says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. And listen to this. He says, I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You know how the people of God need to hear this today. When He frees you, when He delivers you, from whatever your rebellious ways were. Remember, you, were in, you are in rebellion towards a holy God before you come to Christ. And he says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from that life, from that place of slavery. So with this understanding, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate, listen to this, 
your affections for any other gods. And you say, well, I don't worship any other gods. Or maybe you haven't carved it out. But what is what has captivated you? What do you keep going back to? What do you keep putting over God in your life? Because that's your God with the little G. <laughs> that ultimately is serving no purpose. I mean, it may be fulfilling to you for whatever reason. But in the end... What is it? Like, see, again, when you know your God, when you see how great He is, you can't help but worship Him. I don't have to take you through a 12-week course on how to worship God. You just start because you're like, so like, what? And He's telling them, I will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even children and the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me, and listen to that, and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in the six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day you rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God's plan, God's commandments to his people that he just rescued out of Egypt. This is how you're to live now. You're my people. Love me. Honor me. I'm going to take care of you. Remember he kept telling them, don't look at the other nations don't worship, don't desire to worship the way they worship their gods. Don't give yourself over to all that they're doing. No, no, no. Stay with me. Follow me. Love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Love me. I am God. And then the second, just as equally, the last five deals with your neighbor, loving them. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long life, full in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. (laughs) And these are summed up to fulfill what God has purposed for his people. And yet we fight against him. And the sad thing is, is that then we become religious and we make the law our God. We start taking, and that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Jewish priests started doing. They started honing in. They started adding more and more commandments. They started making it about themselves. And the law became their God. And so that's why they were irritated by Jesus. 
Well, why aren't you keeping the Sabbath? Why are you not eating this? Why are you doing that? Why aren't you washing your hands? Why aren't you doing? <laughs> That's why Jesus said, listen, I didn't come away to do, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. See, we can't make the law God, but that's what religious, fleshly desires like to do. And the law and the commandments of God aren't burdensome. They are to a religious person. But to one who is in Christ, they're liberating. God, I would not love you on my own. But you displayed love to me. How can I not respond? I don't want to choose this and not you. Like, I may not have all the answers, but God, I'm going to get up from this place. I'm going to follow you because of your love. You love me? I mean, do you realize how much God loves you? I love watching Touched by an Angel. I know, Carrie laughs at me. I weep, remember, it's every episode. So if you sat with me. Everyone. Everyone. I tell you when she, when they sit there and all of a sudden like, God loves you. I'm like, oh, God, yes. And I'm like, what? And I've been watching them recently. I watched them years ago, but now they're on, now they're on 24 hours. <coughs> but it's so, just that phrase alone. And yet the enemy has distorted it. And this is what you're up against each and every single day. The truth about God is being distorted. And so if you're not feasting off the truth, if you're not in fellowship where truth is being upheld, if you're not being encouraged and edified you know, to keep pressing on and pressing in, you're going to get so lost out there. And you're going to see these as a burden. <laughs> but they're not a burden. They're liberating. See, everything in Christ is liberating. Oh, but I won't be able to do this anymore. I won't be able to do that anymore. But then you're looking at it through yourself. No, no. Go a week and stop doing what you're doing and grow in Christ and see how your life is going to change. Start making decisions that honor Christ. Well, I'll honor him when I come on Sunday. <laughs> then you don't know him. Like, it's every day. It's every hour. It's every moment. It's not giving in. Like, when it's raging up, you say, oh, no, no, no. I recognize this. But I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in and through me. Like, there is a way in which we are called to live. Go to Galatians. And here I added these this morning as I was praying. So if you add these two, no. Galatians chapter three. <clears throat> Again, I don't know if you sit down. I pray that you do, and that the Lord is leading you weekly, daily through the Word of God. But as I was just reflecting on the law and the love of God, and and what He calls us to, and the importance of the law, and how it's liberating. These scriptures I want to give you to take away is Galatians chapter four. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 3, verse 19 through 22. Ultimately, why was the law given? You ever thought about that? Scripture tells you. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise. 
And you say, well, what promise? The promise to Abraham. Abraham, the promise to Abraham is so important. The promise to Abraham just wasn't the Jews to come from Abraham, but it's all Jews and Gentile because of the Messiah. Ultimately, the Messiah, what was promised to Abraham was Jesus. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. See, the law was never given. And God thought that all mankind would follow it. He knows we're wicked in and of ourselves. But how would we know we're wicked if we didn't have a law or laws to expose the wickedness? But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. So is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promise? Absolutely not. If the law could have given us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. You see, the Messiah came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish it. He didn't come to do away with it, but he came to fulfill it. Because when you're in Christ and you're living, and Christ is living through you, you're not going to be enslaved to that nature that doesn't love him and that doesn't care for others. See, when you're in Christ, it's been fulfilled. Everything is done. And so there's a way in which you can live now that truly honors God. If you go back to Exodus real quick. Yeah, I want you to see this. I talked about this the other day. He just gave the law to the people. God was speaking to his people. Verse 18 of chapter 20. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear, and they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. But Moses answered, don't be afraid, for God has come in this way to test you, and, to, and, and I'm sorry, and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. And you say, well, what's the importance of showing us that? Listen, y'all, if God is speaking, if God is revealing himself to you, draw close to him. It may be frightening, it may be uncomfortable. It may be whatever to you. But get over yourself and go towards him. 
the flesh will love nothing more than to keep a mediator between us and God. The flesh will love nothing more. You do it for me. You do it for me. You do it for me. Tell me what God says. There's something when God speaks that changes your life. Remember what I said earlier? There's people who've had and can tell you. Maybe you haven't noticed yet. But people, again, when I'm counseling people, they say, no, I remember now. Like, that was God then. Like, he's been there with you. And he'll continue to be with you. Like, he's active in your life. But are you responding to him? This is God, you all. This is who he is. This is what he calls us to. To live a life that loves him. Everything that we have. To honor others. To serve and to love others. I mean, this is it. This isn't a, you know, about anything else. It's just knowing your God. For truly who he is. And then responding. Then responding. Even as you're trembling. I mean, I told you, when I was on that couch and I was about to take my life, and I heard, today you'll live. I didn't love Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. I hated church. I hated Christians. But my first step was to throw my hands over my head and say, oh Jesus, you're real. Like in that moment, I knew. No one had to tell me. I channeled many different voices. I channeled many different spirits. I used to sit for hours in meditation and I had things speak. They brought more confusion more chaos. But this voice, there was an authority in it. There was a peace in it. It was like, oh, Jesus. And that fear, like utter fear, gripped me. Oh, Jesus, you're real. My life forever changed. He speaks. He's revealing. You say, well, I didn't hear. I don't hear anything. Are you listening? It doesn't have, you don't have to get to that desperate of a place that I was at. But every day he's revealing himself to you. Every day. A still small voice is calling you. Don't go there. Stop thinking that way. You don't need that. You don't need them. He's standing and he's intervening. And he says, would you just come to me? Like he's not going to force you. He's not. In fact, when the Bible says that everyone... Every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. 
Not because he forces them. Because at the end, when you stand before him, oh, rather you're a believer or not, just the presence of him, oh, you will bow before him. But if you're not in Christ, it's too late. And that's why I keep telling you the saddest thing is, is that there's going to be people in hell with Jesus on their lips, but he was never in their heart. The saddest thing when I think about that. I go, wow. There's a lot of people who, who, who have been manipulated into thinking that they're right with God. <laughs> and they're not. It's a narrow road. But the gate to hell is wide. And there's work to be done, you all. I know I labor and I I continue and I go on and on with y'all on Sundays. But like I've always told you, I don't have a lot of time with y'all during the week. I just got a short period of time for the times that you show up for you to hear the word of God. And I hope and I pray you take it and you sit with it and you say, God, help me. I can't save you. No one else in this room can save you. Only Jesus. And I don't know what you go through when you walk into your homes. I don't know what goes on in your hearts and your minds when you're alone. I don't know the depths of how your soul is being even influenced for good and for life or how it's been corroded. But what I do know is if you're not in Christ, if you don't desire him more and more each day, like, wow, that's something or someone or some need is lording over you. And you can say, well, not everyone lives that way, blah, 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 whatever people say. Everyone's got an excuse. <laughs> and I've heard so many. There's not really an answer I can give. Because once you give that excuse, your mind's already made. I'm God. So this isn't a game. This isn't, you know, just whatever. Like we're talking about life and death. (coughs) Years ago, I used to go out to the cemetery and took Ashley and Brittany and Gilda. And I said, man, I need to start taking more people to the cemetery and preaching. You ever walk through a cemetery? They're all dead. These are people who walked on the earth once before. And there they lay now. Every step you take is leading you to the grave. But the hope that you have in Christ is that you will live you will live. Death no longer. And that's a great, one of my favorite scriptures. Death has lost its power. You don't have to be afraid to die. Death has lost its power. Jesus has been resurrected. You can live. The grave shouldn't scare us. No. 
the grave is just transitioning us into eternity with Christ if you're a believer. If you're not, then oh, how I pray that you would be shaken to the core. Because for eternity, you have chosen to reject him. You're going to be tormented for eternity. Not because God is a mean God. He's a loving God. It's just that you've rejected him. And so for eternity, you'll have a knowledge of the fact that you rejected him. And for eternity, over and over and over and over and over and over and over, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, the torment for eternity. And for what? Because you rejected God. Because you said, no, that's not for me. No, I would rather settle for this. And you're being deceived. That's why I've always told you the flesh only knows how to do one thing, and that's to die. That's why it feeds off of it. The world system, all it can present to you is things that's going to entice your flesh. And if you're not growing in Christ, if you're, if you're not secured in Christ, you're just going to keep giving yourself to it. And then you have this realm that the Bible is very clear about, that you wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness that loves nothing more than to deceive. And every time around this year, I think of my old life. Every time this year, and, and I'm coming to a close, we'll walk through the, our, our appointed scriptures next week and the Heidelberg Catechism next week. <coughs> But every time this year, I start thinking and praying for the occult. Because guess what they're doing? They're thinking of us. And they're praying for destruction. They will fast over the next 30 plus days to see the destruction of churches and Christians. And so, and we play around with it. We're enticed by it. You know, we give over ourselves over to it. It's not, it's not that bad. But do we understand those who come from that side, we know how bad it is. The, the churches and Christians have remained, not all of them, but remain ignorant of the spiritual realm. We are drawn to it. They will go and they will fast and they will pray and they will meditate, but they're not praying and fasting to the living God. They're, they're praying and fasting to a lesser power. And the church, does she know her God? I don't hate those who are in the occult. My heart breaks for them. I pray for them. I'm not scared of the enemy. I'm not looking for a demon under every rock. But I know this, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And I know the darkness that is growing, leaps and bounds. I mean, just look around to what's being accepted nowadays. Look what's happening to children and, and the perversion of the children of the youth from young ages. I mean, look how they are transitioning young girls and young boys' bodies without even their parents' acceptance. Mm. 
Look at the level of darkness that is raging, chaos. Do you, do you see the violence that's breaking out on the streets? Not just here in America, but throughout the earth. Or are you just sheltered, just living your life? Going about your insecurities, your needs, your lusts, your wants. I mean, there is such a level rising. <laughs> but the church, you all, we have what they need. And that's how we should be out there loving. We should be out there serving. We should be out there praying. You should be out there. Every place your feet treads, you should be starting to take the ground for Christ. I'm not saying go out there and act a nut or a fool. People are like, what the world? No, you could just, you could go and you could begin to impact that realm you can't see. I remember years ago praying downtown. It was a very dark place years ago. And that one little Santeria witch shop. I said, hey, you were with me that night. I said, no, Jesus. I felt the Lord said, no, go pray. Put your hands on that glass. That place was an established there for years. I said, okay, Lord. And I went and I just pressed up and I began to pray. I God, close it down. God, close it down. Within a month, that place that was established and rooted there for years, vacant. You can say, oh, that's nothing. No, I'm telling you, God wants to use us to impact darkness with his light. The time Carrie and I went down to Miami, I told her not to eat the cookies, but she ate the cookies. I was with, we were with another person, and she asked me, she said, Rob, my niece is involved in this demonic occult. She's like one of the servants to its main leaders. And she's given me the opportunity to come visit. But I don't want to go alone. She hasn't reached out to the family in years. I said, okay, we'll go. And I told Carrie, because I know Carrie never did really any type of spiritual stuff. I said, Carrie, you got to stay focused. If they want to feed you, don't eat. If they want you to drink, don't drink. Like you don't, you just stay focused. Just pray. And so we get in this car and this woman's whipping all around Miami, South Beach, all over the place. I said, and I knew in my heart, and I, in my heart I said, oh, she's making sure that we, we lose track of where she's taking us. And before you know it, we whip in underground of this building. I said, Lord, in the darkness, the level of darkness that you can just discern. I said, Lord, this is something. And I remember I looked at Carrie and I was worried. I was like, oh God, please, you know, protect us, you know, keep me alert, keep her alert. And we enter in and this woman sitting there on her throne with her little negligee. And her, it was all lit up and it had the apostles and angels and Jesus. And she had a baby Jesus that breathes. It was the most craziest stuff. It's just all demonic, you all. And I sat there as long as I could, listening. And I was like, oh, I got I to go. And it was a high rise. I said, I got to get on the balcony. Like, I need to pray. Oh, God. Like, I'm about to lose it up in here. And so I did. I stepped out on the balcony. I remember before I went out, I said, Carrie... Don't eat anything. He left me alone. 
So I go out on the balcony and Lord, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I swung open the, the door and there's Carrie shoving cookies in her mouth and drinking punch. And they were laced. It was. I, I couldn't walk out on my own. They were, they were hot mess. And I said, oh no, we're finished here. And not only are we finished, you're finished. And this prominent leader of an occult, within weeks, gone from Miami. They got you didn't take me. Joan said, Rob, in my life, I've never seen anything like this. You see, we are to engage in direct combative warfare. And we're not, we're not, incur- we're not trained up for that. Yeah. It took Yvette. I'll show you this last story and then I'm going to pray for us. Yvette was telling me of this family whose little baby, infant baby, wasn't sleeping. So I went to work and, you know, I already started praying, Lord, you know, who, who, who could go with me? So the Lord placed in my heart Ivelisse, this young lady at work. And she came around the corner from work and I came around another corner and she said, I got to speak to you. I said, I got to speak to you. She said, no, no I got to tell you first. And she had no clue of anything I just said. I said, well, what is it? She said, I had a dream. I said, what was the dream you believe? She was a, it was of a baby. I said, dear Jesus. She was this baby's demonically possessed. And that baby was handed to me and we were there praying over this child. I said, oh Lord, Jesus. I said, okay. So I called Yvette. I said, let's go. I, called. I felt the Lord placed on my heart this guy named Claudio that I used to disciple. And it was a stormy horrible evening we drove down to Sanford to a building that used to be a um, insane asylum asylum. and you go in and they were at the bottom and it's like a homeless shelter now we had to get down I said well what and I told him before we got out of the car I looked at all of them I said listen this is no joke tonight you all this is no joke this is the devil's lair if you don't feel your call to be here do not go into this place I said, no matter how he wants to reveal himself or show up, if all you know to say is Jesus, say Jesus then. So we go. How Ivelisse described that child was exactly how that child looked. We begin to pray in that room as I asked the parents first and foremost for position. Because you just can't go praying, cleaning up people's house. Because it'll come back seven times stronger if less they're sincere about it. And we begin to pray. And God did something amazing, delivered that child. That child was able to sleep from then on. And they left that place. They got rooted and grounded in the church. But the crazy thing is, is when we left, Claudio grabbed me and pulled me aside. And he said, Look at my leg. Blood was coming down his leg. Like someone just ripped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we were praying, it just started ripping. I felt like something was just scratching it. 
And he says, but all I remember is you saying, just say Jesus, just say Jesus. I said, oh, Lord. I say all this to let you know that we serve a great God. And yet, though, we feed our kids, we feed ourselves the lesser power that's evil. And we promote it. And we celebrate it. And we give ourselves over to it. (laughs) And we just laugh along with it. But do you know, in reality, it's just dragging you away. Why aren't we experiencing it daily? Why doesn't the why don't Christians know that they have the authority and the power to take ground to be used of God? Laura that visits from Athens. Some of you have met her. She drops in here now. When we used to do street ministry, we're out on the streets one night, and this one guy came running up to her, big old guy. What spirit are you? Is <laughs> that? I have the Holy Spirit. And she just began to pray, and that man just took off running. I said, Lord, I don't know how you're living, you all. But one thing I do know, if you are not following Christ, if you're not actively engaging daily as a believer, then all you have is a form of religion. And that's not going to do anything for you. Again, I'm not telling you to go out and try to find the devil under everything. Because I give the devil no credit. He's already defeated. In fact, when Jesus sent out the disciples and they came back and they were celebrating, even the demons had to submit. He said, hey, wait a minute. Don't you celebrate that? So you can't get prideful and puffed up. He says, the only celebration you are to do is that your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. So you said, what are you saying? (laughs) I'm saying to you all, Jesus, you all, is calling us for far greater things than what we've been doing. In a generation where all hell is breaking loose. If you're a Christian, you're called to stand. I posted today, another young man came to Christ out of the Muslim faith. And the government of Libya, I believe, the police, the authorities have tried to force him to change his mind and turn from Christ. And he says no. And now they've given him the death sentence. He's going to be put to death. And I go, oh God, would you just strengthen him? And if it's, I love the prayer that, that, that they, they prayed for this young man. If it's meant for him to lose his life, then for your glory, God, would it stir up a conversation among the people of this region to say, what was it or who was it that this young guy gave his life to that he would take upon this death sentence? See, God is moving you all throughout the earth. The Christian faith is not a weak faith. The Christian faith is just not people just going to church. The Christian faith is a group of people who have considered the cost, who have given their life to the living God, and they understand that they have a purpose for their generation to announce freedom to the captives, that there is a way to live, and it's only through Jesus. I'm going to play this last song of worship.
And then I'll close this in prayer.
Thank you, Father, for 